You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So I'm here now with Scott Badler, who is the author of JFK and the Muckers of Choate, a real to life novel uh, out now on Bancroft Books. And it came out in May. Um, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. OK, great to be here. Like I say, I don't usually talk with people near in Salt Lake City. So this is a special pleasure. Excellent. And so where are you, where are you based out of? Uh, San Francisco Bay Area. I'm actually in the East Bay uh, in Richmond above above Berkeley. So that'll give your listeners an idea of where I'm coming from. Great. So, yeah, we're on um, we air on a, a station in Santa Cruz, Monterey area. So hmm. not super far. Um, right. Yeah. So, OK, so let's talk about the book. So I, I've been um, I've had it for at least a month now, maybe a little bit longer. And mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I really like the book and I'm a, I'm a high school history teacher uh, oh. by, by trade. <laughs> so wow. uh, I'm going to bring this copy in um, to my, my classroom library. And I, I, I can already think of certain kids who will um, really like it. And I think the thing I was talking to Brandon, the um, director of communications over at Bancroft about, um, at least to my knowledge, I've never seen anything um, in the first person, as far as John F. Kennedy goes. Uh, so that was a really cool thing. I don't, I mean, maybe there is stuff out there. Maybe you, I'm sure you would know on this, but I've never, I've never seen anything where, or read anything where it's from his perspective, his, the first point of view. I think that there is something called I comma JFK, but it's about when he's uh, older. So this is the first time, certainly when he's, you know, 17 or 18, which is a very sort of interesting age, um, you know, to be talking about yourself, uh, you know, I think a lot of teenagers can relate to that. So it was mm-hmm. a little bit different in that, you know, like I say, 40,000 books have been written about the Kennedys, but the first one in sort of first person when he was uh, a youth. So a little different there. Well, that's the thing. I think, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of JFK and I've, you know, a few years ago, I did a lot of um, sightseeing as far, you know, I went to, went to the birth house in Brookline. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, oh, the, yeah. Which was incredible. And then, um, did you go to Robert, did the family residence on Abbott Street? That's where they lived after there. That's where Robert Kennedy lived. Just a so, couple blocks away, but you don't usually. You don't hear. It to him. Yeah. So this one was the one where he was born. And sure, then I think, sure. yeah, they didn't live there super long. Did they? Did they move to that, that other home? Yeah. Got to Beale Street. They weren't there that long. So then they moved to Abbott Street, just a couple blocks away. Pretty Brooklyn. close. Okay. Yeah. No, fascinating stuff because it, you know it's it's still a residential, nice residential right. neighborhood. So I thought it I is. was walking down the wrong street when I was when I was going to it. Um, but yeah, okay. So what what I really liked about it is because you know you know and with any president, but especially someone like John F. Kennedy, um, they become mythologized and kind of yeah. like a, like an image of them is crystallized. Right. Um, him in his presidency is what people in you know justifiably so think of, but. This was um this was such a great book because it uh it like humanized the guy and so it's like yeah he's I mean obviously he's a he's a person like the rest of us but um in history uh, certain people get elevated and they become something larger than life right uh, so it was cool seeing you know uh, you know the challenges of a you know a typical teenager even though you know he's in this private school but 
you know, same kind of things that, it, you know, a teenager would feel in any kind of, you know, feeling like an underdog, feeling um, having an older sibling that's, right. um, you know, they're always trying to achieve up to, but they're never quite making it in their mind. Right. Uh, so I guess I should ask you, how did the book kind of come to be? What gave you the idea to write about uh, John F. Kennedy from this um, point in his life specifically? Um, you know, I was uh, always interested in the Kennedys in a certain way. I, I, you know, I, um, it started sort of very early when I was in second second grade. I can remember like facing off against Nixon supporters and yelling, you know, Nixon, Nixon. And uh, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't remember anything after that until the assassination. And um, you know, those four days of you know everything stopped. Um, and then sort of, um, you know, I don't know, somehow I got attached to Robert Kennedy and then um, sort of followed the Kennedys throughout the years. I lived in Boston for a number of years and, you know, would go to Kennedy events or, uh, you know, kept my fascination up. And uh, I just started to look at, you know, writing about the Kennedys. And, you know, I thought Robert was really my hero. But, you know, um, there's so much more on JFK. Mm -hmm. Just started to develop, delve into that. And so I read two things happened. I read uh, Catcher in the Rye, and then I read about JFK as a, as a mucker. And it's hard to think of JFK this sort of charismatic, measured uh, uh, person uh, as sort of a re rebel. So those sort of two things came together. And I thought, well, I'll write about what happened there at, uh, you know, at the Choate School. And uh, um, you know, this is basically a YA crossover. So I said, well, let's try it in first person. And that had, uh, I can tell you quite an effect later on in, in what happened. Uh, we can talk at the end of the interview, what, how that affected me, but it, it affected me very much writing in the first person. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I'd love to hear about that. I think, um, it definitely does have the, have, have a catcher in the rye <laughs> vibes now that, um, now that you mentioned that, I mean, just like, you know, teenager, um, kind of feeling like everyone's against him. Um, so it, I, I think what was so cool about reading this, because, you know, we know we all know so much about JFK um, just from, you know, if we're if we're from um, the United States, it just kind of like uh, seeps into your, your being from a young age. Um, and I think just seeing his leadership qualities from from, a, you know, a teenager and he probably didn't really see that. And well, he didn't see that in himself necessarily. Um, it was always his older brother, Joe, that was like, he's going to be the president. He's going to be this. But that's a bit of a myth also. Mm, okay, okay. So it was, I mean, that's a, that's the thing with the Kennedys. That there is so much mythology yeah, built incredible. around them. Right. It's hard to sort out. And um, I know you did go to the J the presidential library to do, uh, some of the research for, for the novel. Um, I'm just always curious, especially with, uh, with nonfiction or historical novels like this kind of the process of, um, when you look at, you know, all the sources that are available to a historian, like, where do you even start, um, that process of, of research? It's hard to say. There's so many books on him, so that made it easy. And then also there, you know, the, the oral interviews of his classmates were very valuable, um, you know, his best friend for life, Len Billings, who, um, you know, did his oral interviews. Uh, but, you know, the thing, you know, Kennedy was a great diarist. And he wrote down a lot of things. 
and he was having, you know, he was in the hospital and he'd write to his friend Lem and talk about his troubles. So he, he wrote down a lot of things. That's something he continued, uh, not so much when he's president, but before that he would wrote down, he would write down what happened when he's traveling through Europe and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff about his difficulties being in the hospital. So he, he was a writer, although he's a writer, but you know, he wasn't a writer. Mm-hmm. Which makes it like, I mean, I've read, um, profiles and courage, uh, and you know, just an incredible classic, really. Um, yeah, the problem is there, though, that you know, you, you investigate a uh, a person who is famous and you know, mythologized, and then you learn things about them. Wow, that you really uh, admire things you didn't know before. Mm-hmm. The downside of it, you read things and understand things that aren't so good. <laughs> and so one of those things you just mentioned profiles and courage Uh-oh, is so. one of those things that just shocked me when i investigated that what, i what? mean i mean just that you know he was so ambitious that you know and politicians do this they take risks or do cross the line in order to further their ambitions mm-hmm. you know whether it's uh trump or kennedy because um, the fact of the matter is that he didn't write profiles in courage. Oh no. And that, that really, <laughs> that, that was sort of a, you know, a real shock to me that he would accept the Pulitzer prize and because he was so ambitious. So Sorensen basically wrote it, uh, his speech writer, speech writer. Okay. they paid him off, they paid him off money. And, um, you know, it's hard to, you know, accept that, but, you know, I do. And uh, like other things I admire about him is persistence with those health problems. Uh, but you, you learn the good and the bad when you mm-hmm. really delve into a figure. Oh, that's fascinating. I think it is. I, um, I know, you know, I know, I know of Sorensen. I, I hear there's some like excellent um, books on him. I mean, just as fascinating of a character, really, um, you know, someone that's behind the scenes and, and really, if it wasn't for him, um, and now, especially hearing this, like kind of blows my mind. <laughs> blew my mind, man, man. I, I was depressed for a couple of days after I read that. Really, you'd accept the Pulitzer Prize for something uh, you didn't write. It just shows you how ambitious and, you know, what a politician he was, as well as, yeah. you know, significant human being and charismatic and all the rest. I'm curious where you where you found that. That's that's so fascinating. There's a book called. Um, it's about the presidents as writers. Oh, wow. Uh, what they did going all the way back to John Adams, but it, it documents the payoff to Sorensen that he wouldn't be on the cover as saying he wrote it or mm-hmm. uh, um, so. Um, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, check what? it out. That's what, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. I think it, I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know on that one because that's, um, yeah, it's something that is something I think, uh, it, it is kind of, um, you, with presidents, you just don't know what to, to think. It, it's hard to formulate. I mean, I think they, they, they push a narrative and then the other side will push a narrative against them. And so there are these like very, um, strong points of view coming across to kind of control, the perception the image of these people right. um so it is fascinating especially if there's like you know a good chunk of time where they've been they've been uh they've passed away where 
you can get some historical perspective and and kind of read all the different sources so that that's a that's an interesting thing yeah and then make up your own mind you know um right yeah um well okay so i definitely recommend the book i think it, it it's it's incredible um i think you know, young adult or anyone, I mean, I enjoy, I'm, you know, I'm in my forties and I really love the book and, um, but I'm thinking about some of my students who are actually into history. I know they're going to, they're going to dig this thing. Um, I think, uh, I would just, I'm really curious about your background in, in writing and just kind of your career trajectory, mm. uh, as a whole, um, well, you, where are you from originally and what kind of led you to this path of writing? Um, well, let's see, I'm a Californian and, um, <clears throat> let's see, you know, I started out writing little sports stories for the, uh, local, um, paper in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. And then after I graduated from high school, I, I worked as a, a reporter up in the top of California for a thrice weekly Paper. You don't get many thrice, thrice weeklies anymore, I'll tell you that. So I covered <laughs> city councils and everything, then uh, moved back to San Francisco and, you know, worked part-time for some newspapers there doing sports and whatever, worked on Jerry Brown's uh, re-election campaign. Um, let's see, moved back east. So I lived in Boston for 17 years, and, you know, why I chose Boston may have something to do with the Kennedys, but I don't know, uh, unconsciously, but I just... Uh, uh, thinking for a little bit of a change, and the economy was good, and good sports town. So I lived in Boston for a number of years and uh, taught taught actually a humor writing course at Harvard, mm. uh, and then uh, re- um, published a couple of um, sort of uh, humor writing books. So this is my first novel. Um, so it sort of takes you pretty much up to date. When I came back. Uh, um, that's where I am now. Yeah, that's great. No, I lived in Boston for a short time. Oh, and that's, I, yeah, that's when I actually um, uh, kind of decided I lived in the North End. And um, okay. it just kind of I kind of fell in love with U.S. like U.S. history at that point. I think like and in, in when I went to high school, I just wasn't, you know, how it was presented. It just was kind of dry and boring and from a yeah. from a dusty old textbook. And um, it just didn't really in- interest me. And then when I think, you know, just living there and walking everywhere, you you kind of just become curious. I mean, I became curious and I got really mm. fascinated. I started reading a lot about, um, you know, American history. And then, like you said, like the Kennedys are right there, all that history there. So uh, when I, I decided to move back home to Salt Lake and kind of piece together a, a degree so I could teach yeah. uh, U.S. history. So it is like... There is that pull, like conscious or subconscious. Um, it's a, you know, it's an amazing city. Definitely has like a, a strong influence on on you when you live there. Um, I was actually when I moved there, I moved to uh, Cambridge, so that was uh, right. JFK's uh, first uh, congressional district. Oh wow! Oh wow! I didn't know that. Um, no, that's that's incredible. Do you do any teaching um, these days? Not these days, you know, let's see, my last teaching, um, yeah, it's been several years, so um, I haven't really been uh, teaching out here too much, so, uh, you know, I work uh, part-time, pretty much, you know, involved with marketing this book, and then and I'm writing the sequel to this. Oh, um, really? So he- heavily involved in that, yeah. That's excellent. Um, can you, anything you can share, like a time period, Just is it is it taking place directly after 
when he's going to college? Uh, directly right after uh, high school. So, you know, a couple of months later, JFK's in jail. <laughs> but I'm not I making that, that up. Yeah, I'm not making that I didn't up. Know but, that. <laughs> yeah, most people don't. I mean, tell you the truth, between you and me, one one day. But still, it's interesting. Still, I mean, you wouldn't. Still, I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have I guessed know. that. <laughs> Kennedy and Jeb, sort of picture that. That that sort of grabbed me, and it was. I was going to add it onto the first book, and the publisher said no. You end it with graduation. So I'll start it off with the second one. And it goes from um, there to winning the first congressional campaign. So 1946. Oh, that's great. Um, and I'm like, it sounds like the book's getting a lot of positive response um, from, from what I've seen online. Um, well, what have you seen? Well, okay. So I, so I don't know if, if we and I can cut this if, if we can't talk about it, but um, I've heard whispers of... Um, possibly this being made into a, a film or a series. I'm not quite sure. Uh, is that, anybody is can that... say, anybody can say that, you know, kind of, they're, they're doing a, they're planning to do a movie on your life. You know, there's whispers about that, you know, that's what I've heard, you know, but you know, it's what's, what's, you know, I mean, you know, so movie, you know, Hollywood, it's gossamer and, you know, it's all flowing around and so, yeah. We'll what see. Are, one of my favorite, well, I hope it does. Um, I think it would be, it would translate well to the screen. One of my favorite books is a, um, it's a compilation. Uh, it's called Hollywood versus the writer. And each chapter is written by a different um, author. And they have like, there's some real horror stories. There's some amazing stories um, just about, you know, writers, novelists, um, nonfiction journalists. And, and, you know, they, um, they tell you their experience about it. So it's like, a, it's a, it's a pretty funny book, but there's a lot mm -hmm. of like, like, Oh my goodness, that's, I can't believe that happened right, for right. good or for bad, but it's like, it's a, yeah, you just never know, I suppose. But uh, I think it would be amazing to see something from the first, like a film with first person JFK, no matter what the age is, just yeah. because um, he is always kind of like an other, he's just like, yeah, he's, you he, he never get inside the head. And you never get guy. tired of him. You never get tired of watching him, you know? Oh. I mean, it's sort of, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I even have, like, I have an old record player in my classroom and um, I have a vinyl. I, I don't know what speech it is, but it's, it's a, it's just a record of JFK and he's giving oh. some speech and some, a couple of times I'll put it, I've just put it on in the background and there's always kids who kind of stop and like, <laughs> like it grabs their attention where I, you know, I don't think, that can be said about a lot of stuff from that era with just someone speaking. So it's kind of fascinating. I mean, he spoke, I mean the way he spoke was, you know, that, that whatever it, I always thought that was like, that's how everyone spoke in Boston. And obviously you live there. <laughs> yeah. Nobody spoke like that, Nobody. right? <laughs> Nobody. Only Kennedy's right. <laughs> only Kennedy. And only, you know, no one spoke like him. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, okay. Like, so I, I guess you've done so much research on the guy. Um, and like you said, you see that, you, you know, you see some things like you're that are uh, you're impressed by, but also you see some of the things that are maybe not so right, right about the guy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just kind of curious, some of the things that were, were positive that came um, from your research, some of the stuff that is not widely known um, in the mainstream. Hmm. Um, let's see, not widely known. Let's see. I mean, 
or just something that struck you as uh you know i think i think the thing of uh you know i don't know of any other person whatever hers age his age who became president who saw a therapist mm. so i think that was something that uh was pretty interesting and um you know even the person he saw was pretty interesting so i found that very interesting and you know and the therapist left some notes behind you know expanded on it but um you know i don't know if there's any other president to be who went to a therapist so just to see him in there and mm-hmm. recreate those conversations um you know why he went you know can be uh you know after the muckers were expelled and um uh, of course it was rescinded but the the headmaster said, you know, I recommend that Kennedy and these two others see a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two said no. Kennedy said yes. <laughs> um, and I think primarily he was curious. Mm-hmm. What is this therapy? What is this thing like um, as opposed to saying, yeah, I'm a troubled person and I need some help. So that's my belief that he went and wanted to find out about this. And uh, I think he found out about himself um, mm. by going. Um, so he, just a couple of sessions, but I think he found it valuable. You know, I think the biggest thing that came out of that is that uh, he was opting out of his uh, you know, competition with his brother. He just mm-hmm. thought his brother was, he couldn't compete with him. So he'll, he'll opt out, do lousy in school just be a rebel. Uh, I think the therapist brought that to his attention and, um, you know, led to better things, obviously. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And I, and I think I've kind of gotten ahead of myself um, just jumping right into it, but for our listeners. So I think we we've covered the fact that this is, so this is a young John F. Kennedy um, in school um, getting relatively close to graduation. Uh, so, like what is like the 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 gist of the book like the kind of the uh the the pitch we could tell people to to definitely go out and purchase this thing um they don't have to purchase it you know they can go to the library or rent it or something like that um no can they rent a book can you rent a book these days i don't know i I can't you know it's not a bad idea maybe we'll go into business on that but um (laughs) you know it's just the fact let's say that um Kennedy was a rebel and he, you know, the, the headmaster, um, you know, said all these people who are not doing their best work are muckers. And Kennedy was this rebel and said, I'll show you. And he formed this group, um, this resistance to authority that I think was sort of, we don't think of JFK as this rebel, but you could say in a way, followed throughout his career. You know, I think the, ma- the main thing I think about is the Missiles of October, where, you know, <clears throat> he learned from the Bay of Pigs not to listen to his generals. Um, and so when the Missiles of October came and the Russians had put all these missiles in uh, Cuba and all the generals said, you know, you've got to go in, you got to bomb it. And, um, you know, he learned from his lessons and learned from, you know, be careful about listening to authorities, so-called authorities. Mm-hmm. He learned that from the disaster in the Bay of Pigs. And, he, you know, he said, no, I'm going to do what I, I think is right and not, not cave in. So maybe that sort of saved the world yeah. um, in a certain way. 
if we're going too far there, but um, yeah. not easy to say, you know, no to the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the one regret, I, you know, thing I've learned in this uh, research, um, you know, I think about Vietnam and the one thing that would have uh, had he lived, I've convinced that, and I wasn't before I started writing the book because he did all this extra research, that there would have been no Vietnam. Mm. There's no way, at least mm-hmm. not during his administration. Right. So that was a major thing. You think about the loss of Kennedy. To me, that's you know, obviously no Vietnam, at least to 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no doubt there would not have been a Vietnam. Yeah, that make that makes a lot of sense. Um, just a, yeah, I, I think it, it it is fascinating to see that that he he st- that he did stand up like that. That is um that's incredible. I think like early on, and I think it's the first few pages actually in the book. Um, kind of jumping around here, but just it did make me chuckle when he was um, moving his trunk down mm-hmm. from his room down into the basement. And then he got yelled at, maybe you could, t- this is a pretty funny story. I thought it was a great way to open the book. Maybe you could tell um, our listeners. I just thought I, I loved how I love what he did in response to that. Cause it seems like a lot of <laughs> kids wouldn't have gone that far. <laughs> right. Well, he's doing the same thing with forming the muckers club. He's saying, okay, you know, using his wit. And that's one thing I really loved about Kennedy. He's using his wit. You know, he said, you can't bring it down until morning. Well, he's bringing it in morning, bringing the trunk down in morning at three in the morning (laughs) and waking up the headmaster and everybody else. Um, And, you know, like the headmaster is calling him muckers. He's saying, okay, I'm a mucker and here's what we're going to (laughs) do. So that was something, the wit that that is very... um, um, you know, interesting and, and just to, to, to see that in Kennedy. I mean, we knew that in his press conferences, but to see it at 17 is interesting also. Yeah. No. Um, it, yeah. The wit and then like just the charm that like the palpable charm that that guy had. I mean, it was, you know, I think when I, when I watch a lot of like old footage from that era, um, charming is not what I would call most of the people <laughs> that I see on the, on old films, but Kennedy, like clearly, like transcends that and he's he's captivating to watch um especially when he's put against somebody like that famous uh nixon debate where you know he comes back he's all tan jfk's tan and nixon i from my memory is like sweating and i don't know if he was getting over something didn't shave or something like that right Right. so he got pretty beat up in the press um and he just presented himself well um yeah let's see Oh, I just had a thought and it went away. Uh, well, I don't know if we're, we're getting too ahead of ourselves, but what you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about how there's kind of like writing this from the first person uh, had like a, a, a deeply personal impact on yourself. Yeah, it really surprised me. I, um, you know, as I said, just decided to write it in first person. And, you know, when the assassination happened, I was nine years old <clears throat> and um you know, I remember it happening, but I wasn't affected that much. And uh, in the whatever, 40, 50 years since then, people ask you, um, you know, where were you when Kennedy was assassinated? And I'd say I was, you know, I was out in the playground and Miss Burton called us in fifth grade and told us, you know, and I would tell it very um, unemotionally. <clears throat> you know, I wasn't affected by the assassination when it happened or in 40 years since. Um, but then an interesting happened. I was doing an oral interview with, um, um, 
sixth floor museum at Dealey Plaza. So you can guess what, the, have you been there? Or? I have, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I was there too. Um, and so he's doing an oral archive and, you know, and, I don't know. It's, so he asked the question, in a certain way I wasn't prepared for it. I thought he was going to ask about the book. He says, where were you? Mm. And so I started to break down. Oh, wow. Um, it, it totally caught me by surprise. Um, you know, I'm breaking down here while he's asking you know, this question where wow. I was like, why is that you know and of course yeah. it comes a little bit obvious later that you know um you know you do so much research um into the person and then i think a part of it you know writing it in first person so in a certain way i became kennedy mm -hmm. um you know and uh sort of you know when he died a part of me died so yeah. suddenly i was very you know emotional about it because of this book and how i wrote it in first person Oh, that's, that's interesting. I, one of my favorite writers, he, he talks about, um, when, when he writes, he needs to fall at, like in love with all of the characters, oh. even the bad guy, you know, it's like, I have to really care about these people and, um, you know, they become, you know, they're a part of me. They are, right. you know, they are me, but there's something beyond me. So, um, Kennedy yeah. became part of me, surprised yeah. me. That's incredible. Well, there's things I relate to also, you know, the sibling rivalry thing mm -hmm. was something that I really uh, related to. I had an older brother. And so I, you know, when he opted out, you know, it made me think about my own relationship with my brother. Did I opt out? Um, so there are certain um, similarities that I can relate to. Um, so there's that also. Oh, that's interesting. And then I think especially like when I went to the, the, the sixth floor, museum what i was struck by was just um you know i was born in 1981 and i think um i you know we just with my students we just did we we did some a couple lessons on 9 11 you know they 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 hadn't been born yet right so i try to uh, i mean i don't know how if you, you can you can't make a direct comparison but it's we did talk about like i wasn't uh al alive during you know when Kennedy was assassinated, but when you go to an actual location of where something happened, it can have mm. such power on you. So when I went to um, the museum there, I was just yeah. and walking around the area. I was struck at how uh, yeah, most places I found like in history, if, if I'd seen pictures of it, video, um, when I actually got there, it was quite a bit different this place mm -hmm. for some reason felt yeah. like exactly how i i know there's the underpass and everything and there's the six yeah. four in a way it hasn't changed that much right right and it just if it, it was like this is exactly what i thought it like the same like the scale of it i mean it was just kind of mind-blowing so i think it i mean it would just really you know it, it kind of took me back just you know and seeing that x on the on the road there i mean so what um, do you think happened there on the on the x or what do you mean at the oh like what do you think i'm not a conspiracy guy so you're not i'm not but i don't why not it, why not well, why not be a conspiracy i mean i think it takes too many people to keep a secret and I, if it's a conspiracy and I, I just feel like so many people keeping a, a secret not necessarily works out well usually hmm. but i'm open to anything i mean what do yeah. you so i think it was just straightforward oswald but i don't know what do you uh, think I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I, you know, there's a lot of motive. There's plenty of motive. The only thing that's missing is evidence. And you need that. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. for a conspiracy and 
Um, so I, you know, I read a certain amount on it and it just seemed like Oswald was not the type of guy who would be involved in sort of conspiracy much mm -hmm. as much as I've read about him. He was a loner and you know, it's like, don't, I'm, I'm on, you know, he has yeah. this, uh, you know, he's a loner and he wouldn't be a part of it. So I'm a, I'm a one, one guy. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I, I mean, I, 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 I do enjoy reading that stuff. Um, and especially when I was, I would say in my like early twenties, I'd kind of get a, a like a charge right. out of it. Like, it's exciting. Right. And I think, um, I, I had heard some historian say something to the effect of, uh, you know, it, it's hard to accept when something happens that doesn't make sense. Like something like an assassination of a powerful, um, like very influential per person. So if it, there's not really this huge, um, like trail of things that explain it, you know, that we can wrap our heads around. Uh, if it's just kind of this random, just this, you know, maybe not that great of a reason or not that there would be a great, a good reason, but just something very simple. It, it can, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard or the randomness of, of things at times, it can be hard to accept that. So these conspiracy theories, you know, they can be very complex and very convincing at times too. Um, but yeah, yeah, it seemed, like it seemed said, to come out of a lot of the, uh, you know, just distrust of a government after, you know, or during uh, Vietnam. And so we didn't trust anything the government said. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's certainly understandable. Um, you know, we still have to, you know, make sure our government is working for us and, you know, ask questions. But sure. uh, in this instance, uh, just uh, it seemed like it was one person and no evidence for anything else but plenty yeah. of motives plenty of motives the yeah oh, for sure the thing that always got me was just the 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 oswald killing like him being that's what kind of mm. was just you so, over. i was mm. like well i was just like that was just so too coincidence too many coincidences and you crazy. know okay yeah i mean that's i don't understandable. know i don't know though so i think that was like um it, it just was like well what was that about like why did he you know because what was it was jack ruby what was his reasoning for it was a little crazy and you know he sort of you know wanted to prevent jackie from going through this trial and you, you can't be sensible about it this guy was you know a, a pretty strange guy to begin with so you try and be too logical and you're, you're running into problems <laughs> i guess yeah that makes sense <laughs> um did you did so like you said there's so many books one thing that um uh, when i was in dc there's a there's a bookstore across from ford's theater and it has uh, all, all the biographies and books on Lincoln. And it's kind of like a spiral up and it goes up. I think like two, it, I just remember being very like overwhelming and they're yeah. all secured together. So it's like, same thing with Kennedy. There's so many, there, there's 40,000, 40,000. 40, so how do you even begin? We, we talked about like kind of doing like research of like, you know, going to the library, but like as far as books go, like where do you even, I guess you start with the historians. I don't know, but like what, there's so much out there and people who knew them, secretaries, like where do you even begin on that? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know, certain key books, um, um, you know, JFK reckless youth by Nigel Hamilton that was turned into a movie. So that was a key one for me. Um, uh, you know, you get a book on the Victura, you know, which is a sailboat. Um, you read Jack and Lem, you know, Lem Billings was his, his best friend through life. And, you know, that's an interesting part that, you know, JFK's best friend for life 
was, you know, a gay man. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that I guess we've heard about at this point, but that, you know, I mean, this person made a, you know, sort of a pass at him or was in love with him in a certain way. Um, but the JFK said, you know, no, I don't want to be involved sexually. Mm -hmm. And they still kept him as a friend. So mm -hmm. 1934, I don't know if most, uh, you know, boys would have done that or even today, right. you know, sure. so oh, yeah. that was something exceptional about JFK. Um, you know, JFK in Cape Cod. So whatever, a third or a fourth of the book takes place in uh, Cape Cod. So, um, you know, I bring that in and bring in his family, of course, um, you know, begin to, a little bit of his relationship with his uh, younger brother, Bobby. Um, so those are the key books, um, but um, there's so much written about him that uh, in a certain way it made it easy. You still got to dig deep yeah. to find stuff that, that's useful. Um, let's see, any other books? Um, you know, well, that's sort of it, but just, you know, he wrote so much in the oral interviews and even his teachers wrote. So uh, there has to be more about his life than I don't know, any other American, um, you know, that wasn't available with Lincoln. So I think more so available to him than any other sort of historic figure, certainly president in my view. So much has been written about him. Um, what more can be said, but then you, you pull this book out and it's like, this is just a totally fresh perspective, something I, you know, I'd never thought about, or, um, it, it was very, it got me all like interested in him again as a person um, reading from the, this, uh, you know, it's a, it's a novel, but it's based on like, like real life, like it says, Sure. Uh, but it does, it, it did spark a, a new interest in him to me when I thought I'd kind of put him aside um, as far as like reading. And now I'm like, kind of want to jump back into and, and, and start kind of, you know, delving deeper into the guy. So I think, um, I think, the, I think a lot of people, who, who have read this or who will read this book i think um especially for a young person if this is this could be the book that like sparks their interest in um you know him as a person and then you know presidential history united states history i think it, it's a it's a it's it's like a gateway drug <laughs> it, it can really open up right right, uh, for, right. you gotta be careful people. you go too far you know and i found <laughs> that myself you know the, the deeper you go down that rabbit hole there's there's more and more that becomes interesting like i talked about you know profiles and courage and you know then i you investigate pt 109 and then you're shocked there too and um, right you just realize yeah, you know I'll his know. core values in the very beginning are to be successful at everything he does you know mm -hmm. um you know and the, the interesting of course the, the last thing he does um is is a political campaign at choke mm -hmm. and of course his his um his headmaster, um, you know, they didn't think much of him at all. And, you know, he was, you know, he was a mucker, you know, a lazy kid. And so at the very end, um, you know, they have these class awards mm -hmm. and there's no, it's not like you're president of the council, it's just a class award. And there, there, there's incredible, a lot of them made with just sort of jokes, like the first to be married, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> but there's some serious ones also, you know, and uh, you could run for two or more. And Kennedy says, you know, I want to run for most likely to succeed mm -hmm. and not run for another because that might split my vote. <laughs> he runs for that, you know, and um, 
he gets help from his fellow muckers who say, you know, I'll vote for you if you vote for me. Sort of trading votes, very political. Yeah. He, he, he beat some, you know, senior class president and the editor of the school paper. Landslide, you know. Um, you know, he was, you know, so it was interesting just to, to end his school career with a political campaign, not just put his name out there. Yeah. You know, he campaigned for that office and won. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it just a lot of foreshadowing in the book, which I thought was very, very cool. Um, so with the, I know this just came out, but now that you, you've kind of like got me interested in the sequel, um, are, are you are you currently just working on it right now? Or is there a time frame for when uh, an audience can expect this? You know, um, I'm working on it and finished the draft and uh, needs to be polished up. But um, certainly within, you know, a year or two you'll you'll see it out there and I, I think it'll you know make quite a splash um um you know it's you know you can never get tired of kennedy and the more you learn about him the more interested you are yeah. and the more you're sort of shocked yeah shocked by him um as well as you know um impressed so yeah. there's this, these things that you know he does that are you know semi-immoral or whatever but you know he was kennedy and you know he had this persistence and this charisma so it's good for the audience will be interested to, to to look at both sides of kennedy yeah. and make up their own mind no that's great um well maybe i could ask you uh just about your like your process of writing so when you you come from a journalism background um how has that how did that help or maybe even hinder the process of writing in a, a first person novel. Um, just curious about your process there. Yeah. I mean, I've never written a novel before a couple of short stories, but really a novel, I never thought I'd, I'd write. Uh, so this is something totally new for me. So it was, you know, a lot of stops and starts and, you know, first it was nonfiction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm writing, I'll have to write it as nonfiction. Otherwise, uh, I'm making things up and, you know, talked with a lot of agents, went, went to, you know, writers conferences and said, you know, it, it's got to be nonfiction, but it, it felt like it put me in such a box mm. um, that I felt like, you know, you got to write what you want to write. And so I, I made it fiction and, you know, found the right publisher who would sort of take a chance on this. Um, so in terms of writing it, you know, um, it's just to get everything out, just write as much as possible you know, trying the old problem is, you know, doing research while you're writing. And, you know, the best thing is to just get a certain amount of research, know what you want to write and just, you know, let it flow from there. And then, mm -hmm. you know, revisions from there. Right. Cause I guess you could, you could research forever. You could, you, right. you, you could do that and never, never get, get to writing. Right. Um, well, how about, so as we kind of like wrap up, um, I always like asking uh, writers what they're reading. Um, anything, anything lately that's kind of stuck with you or that is something you, you're wanting to read? Um, let's see. The last book for this writing group we met yesterday was, uh, was by Kylie Reed. What a great age. Mm -hmm. That's very popular now about a, uh, you know, it has some racial, um, questions there it's about a babysitter who uh, takes uh, her uh, 
babies, uh, she goes to a store and she's with the baby and some racial things happen there. Um, so it's pretty good. And then I read Tom Parada who wrote Election, um, that movie with uh, Bruce Witherspoon. So he just yeah. came out with a new book. Uh, it, it's a sequel called uh, Tracy Flick Can't, um, Can't Win. So he's trying to run for principal of uh, <laughs> of the school oh, that's great. Um, that's so great. whatever 20 years later uh-huh. uh, you know like contemporary fiction mm-hmm. how about you um as far as like let's see what am i reading i just um i just finished up i don't know if you're familiar with jonathan ames he is yeah. a so he, his uh, latest book just just came out um a couple weeks ago it's a it's like a it, it's a mystery. It's a second in a series. He's he's working on a um uh what is it called? The first one's a man named Doll. This one's called the Wheel of Doll. So um Doll is the last name of the detective. So I'm I'm enjoying that quite a bit. I'm I'm um I'm, I'm uh pretty close to being done with that one. What was it? Did he have a famous one or he did. Well, so he started out writing a lot of nonfiction um, and then he's done a lot of TV work, too. So he did a familiar. Uh, the extra man, I think, was fairly big uh, 20 years ago or so. Uh, Wake up, sir. Mm-hmm. He's, he's done a lot. He's done at least yeah. a dozen books. And then he well, did best a- novel, best novels about uh, have you read any novels about. Kennedy, um, I mean, have you read Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three by Stephen King? You know, I ha- I haven't read. I I own it. Um, okay. It, it, intimida- it, in- it intimidates me. Yeah. Don't. Once you um. get into it, <laughs> once you get into it, um, it's very good. It's very good. Um, yeah, I did watch the do- uh, the the limited series of it. Yeah, so me I, too. I, I don't know. Does wasn't that great? Wasn't great. Okay. Book, so I... you know, the book is always better. It always is. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that makes okay. I'm gonna read it now. That uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's just like staring at me on my bookshelf. This massive. Just do 40 <laughs> pages and then report back to me. Okay, I will. You know, I, definitely. Uh... <laughs> okay, definitely good. Um, I don't think. Yeah, that's. I'm trying to think. That's probably all I've. Um, I'm reading also. Uh, 1876. That oh. also on bankrupt. So I'm. I, I oh. haven't. I've been kind of flipping through it. I'm going to start it from the beginning and, and really like read read it. But that looks pretty cool. Um, and I'll be talking to him. Uh, I think in a couple of weeks I'll be I'll be chatting with him on the show. So that'll be fun. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. like you got a lot on your plate there. Sounds uh, you get a lot of history that you can you can yeah. write it off and you know <laughs> do materials for your students. There. Exactly. Yeah. And it is. I mean, I um I think the the historical novel is just a great way to get people interested. In yeah. history you know i think it's 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 awesome so um andy well scott anything else you want to add before we kind of wrap oh, up i don't tonight? think so i don't think so um yeah i enjoyed talking with you and um i learned some things and hope you learned some things and um definitely yeah go from there yeah this is a lot of fun so um i definitely i'd love to keep in touch and i, I can't wait to the for the new book to, to come out or we'll have you back then sounds good um yeah so everyone jfk and the muckers of choat a real to life novel out now um wherever you get your books scott thank you so much it's been a pleasure great thanks kyler have okay. a good evening you too take care 